Coming up on Stu Does America, we answer the mystery that is Kanye West. The answer is insanity, always insanity. Filmmaker Chris Rufo fills us in on a very racist Seattle program, just not racist against who you'd think. And Glennon Beck program's uh, Jason Buttrell joins us to preview the new Deep State special airing tonight, right after this program, airs nicely with a nice deep dish pizza, if I do say so myself. We're still shooting up those podcast charts like a wrecking ball, or like a firework. I, I don't know. It's hard to keep track of all the gross pop singers around these days. Anyway, just keep rating the thing five stars and reviewing it. It's great. Whatever. That's fine. We're also doing pretty good on YouTube subscribers as well, but I, I do feel like we could do better. I mean, come on. A high-quality hour of conservative television, absolutely free, almost makes you want to subscribe, comment, and like every single one of our videos, including this one right now. You can do it. You can do it. And as always, the best way to uh, enjoy this show and network is with a subscription to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And we'll take off 10 bucks just like that. I like to make a joke to get us into the show, but honestly, the joke is going to be watching me and my friends get completely obliterated this Friday on the Stew Does America 100th Anniversary Special, Stew Does Power Hour. Myself, designated driver, Sarah Gonzalez, and uh, fellow drinkers Chad Prather, Bill Richmond, and Jason Buttrell will attempt to take a shot of beer per minute for an hour while attempting to discuss politics. It's going to start off probably coherent and get less coherent as we go. going to be a bloodbath or a beer bath or maybe both. Or it's possible. Who knows? Friday, July 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Stu Does America official YouTube channel. Do it. Stu Does America. Kanye West is running for president. He also has a new album coming out, and there's absolutely no chance this is a publicity stunt. Honestly, it's 2020. Uh, It would just make sense if Kanye West was our next president. And I'm not going to say I predicted this before the 2016 election, but I came pretty close. I mean, I'm at that point where I, I assume that our next president is a Kardashian. The question is, can we get Courtney? Because I think Courtney <laughs> yes. would be a much better president than Kim or Chloe, to be perfectly honest. And she seems to be the most balanced of the group. Uh, she's, I think, the, most, the, the prettiest as well. Uh, and if we're going to have someone on TV all the time, I think that's, this should, should be our target. So it should be Kim? Uh, no, no, oh. uh, no, uh, Courtney. Courtney. Uh, so I'm going to go Courtney. Well, Court, I- Courtney 2020. Right family, wrong member. Speaking of wrong member, I also said I thought it might be Caitlyn Jenner. But instead, it looks like Kanye is going to be the one running for president. And let's be clear, he's not running in 2024. He's running in 2020, and he no longer supports Donald Trump. Quote, I am taking the red hat off with this interview. It's been a long road with Kanye. Let's look back at the Kanye consensus. Back in the early 2000s, Democrats thought he was a rapper. Republicans thought, who? But then came 2005 in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It was still in the period where both sides had come together to do whatever they could for the victims. Red Cross is doing everything they can. We, we already realized a lot of the people that could help so are good. at war right now fighting another way. And they, they, they've given them permission to go down and shoot us. And subtle, but in even many ways more (laughs) profoundly devastating, is the lasting damage to the survivors' will to rebuild and remain in the area. The destruction of the spirit of the people of southern Louisiana and Mississippi may end up being the most tragic loss of all. George Bush doesn't care about black people. 
<laughs> Please call. <laughs> I totally forgot how great that clip is. I mean, Mike Myers' face throughout it is absolutely amazing. I, <laughs> I had forgotten about Chris Tucker, too, who's just great in that clip. That is absolutely one of the greatest clips in television history. Once Kanye had his uh, George... <laughs> Once Kanye had his George Bush doesn't care about black people moment in 2005, a new Kanye consensus emerged. Democrats now thought he was a genius. Republicans now thought he was insane. And this consensus held for years and years. In 2009, when Kanye told Reuters, sometimes people write novels and they just be so wordy and so self-absorbed. I'm not a fan of books. I would never want a book's autograph. I am a proud non-reader of books. <laughs> it should be noted that he said that in an interview about his book, which had just been released. And he said, which was, uh, the article is great, which uh, the book was, quote, 52 pages, some blank, <laughs> others with just a few words. But still, the consensus held. Democrats thought he was a genius. Republicans thought he was insane. In 2013, Kanye was running his mouth again. When someone comes up and says something like, I am a god, everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was. A god. I just told you. That's who I think I am. All right. And the consensus still holds. Democrats thought he was a genius. Republicans thought he was insane. In 2016, when talking to Ellen and going on a six minute uninterrupted rant, most of which uh, he spent staring into the audience while Ellen like planned her own suicide. This happened. I have a condition called synesthesia where I see sounds. I see them. Everything that I sonically make is a painting. I see it. I see the importance. <laughs> I see the importance and the value of everyone being able to experience a more beautiful life. When I make clothes, I'm, it's funny because I'll sit there with Obama and Leo's talking about the environment, and then I'm talking about clothes, and everyone looks at me like that's not an important issue or something. But I remember going to school, like in fifth grade, and wanting to have a cool outfit. I called the head of Payless. I'm like, I want to work with you. <laughs> Ellen's face in that is almost as good as Mike Myers. Yet the consensus held. Democrats thought he was a genius. Republicans thought he was insane. Even through an interview with W Magazine, when he dropped these deep thoughts, shut the F up, I will effing laser you with alien effing eyes and explode your effing head. Shut the F up. Try to write a rap. Okay, then. I just made this effing t-shirt. Now shut up. Strong words. Through all of this, the Kanye consensus held. Democrats thought he was a genius. Republicans thought he was insane. Until April of 2018, when Kanye tweeted this. You don't have to agree with Trump, but the mob can't make me not love him. We are both dragon energy. <laughs> He is my brother. I love everyone. I don't agree with everything anyone says or excuse me, does. That's what makes us individuals. And we have the right to independent thought. 
Suddenly, the Kanye consensus changed dramatically. Now, Democrats thought he was insane, and Republicans thought he was a genius. How does this happen? All of a sudden, this person that everyone on the right agreed was insane turned into this person who had unique cultural insight and was an important voice, and we shouldn't ignore him because blah, 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 blah. And Democrats flipped on him entirely. Within a week, The Undefeated, a Disney-owned website mainly created to call white sports fans racists, broke from their format briefly to tell us, last week we didn't get the Kanye West who spoke up for us. We got something unfamiliar, terrifying, and ignorant. We got a West with a Make America Great Again hat. We got unending vomit-like array of misinformation. In an article noting how West's new alt-right image emerged seemingly out of nowhere. As Kanye's love for Trump seemed to grow and grow, Republicans gave him more and more credibility. And Democrats dismissed him more and more. But maybe Kanye shouldn't be dismissed. With his run for president and the fact that he no longer supports Donald Trump, at least for the moment, he has united the Kanye consensus. Democrats think he's insane. And Republicans think he's insane. <laughs> Democrats think he's insane because he will pull black votes away from Biden if he actually runs and maybe make Trump win. Republican thinks he's insane because he's saying bad things about Trump and might turn his supporters away from him. Now, before you make up your mind and to who to vote for in 2020, I think we owe it to Kanye to look at his platform as discussed with Forbes magazine. First, he's going to be running as a member of the birthday party and his vice president will be Michelle Tidball a biblical life coach in Wyoming that you know exactly as much about as I do. He's against vaccines, saying it's, uh, it's so many of our children that are being vaccinated and paralyzed. So when they say we're going to fix COVID is with a vaccine, I'm extremely cautious. That's the mark of the beast. They want to put chips inside of us. They want to do all kinds of things to make it where we can't cross the gates of heaven. And he seems to be quite the environmentalist as well, offering to clean up the chemicals in our deodorant, in our toothpaste. On foreign policy, he said, I haven't developed it yet. <laughs> on taxes, he said, I haven't done enough research on that yet. This was a recurring theme when discussing his plan. Quote, I have to say with all humility that as a man, I don't have all the pieces in this puzzle. Okay, no problem. Well, what about your policies? Quote, I don't know if I would use the word policy for the way I would approach things. All righty. He seems to favor reparations a little bit, saying, let's get past the racism conversation. Let's empower people with 40 acres and a mule. Let's give some land. That's the plan. But mainly his campaign theme was this. You got Kanye West, one of the most powerful humans. I'm not saying the most powerful because you got a lot of alien level superpowers and it's only collectively that we can set it free. Oh, okay, why don't you just say that at the beginning? It makes perfect sense. Why even bother if you're Trump or Biden? Which coincidentally is what Kanye said as well. <sighs> For all the other candidates, I just gracefully suggest y'all bow out. Trump and Biden gracefully bow out. I assume they'll clear the way for him uh, by the, I don't know, maybe end of business tomorrow. What do you think? Look, the problem isn't Kanye. Is he insane? Of course he's insane. But we've always had insane people. The problem is that the American people are listening to them more and more. 
not everyone in our is in our little club here that we do every night, you know? Not everyone reads like books and stuff, follows the news, loves graphs quite as much as we do. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson is fighting for his career right now as he posted anti-Semitic comments on his Instagram feed. Should the Eagles release him? No, no. They should release a statement that says, after a full investigation, we have discovered that Deshaun Jackson is dumb. You should not listen to the things he says regarding any topic. Thank you, Philadelphia Eagles. Do I really think Deshaun Jackson hates Jews? I doubt it. Sometimes people are just dumb, and that's okay. Take a minute to tell them the truth, and let's all move on with our lives. The reason that's easy for me to say is because I don't go to athletes for lessons on morality. I don't go to celebrities to tell me how to vote. I don't care if Colin Kaepernick takes a knee because I have spent time figuring things out for myself. I don't need to care about what a stupid thing he believes. I only care about Colin Kaepernick because people keep wanting to claim he was a good quarterback, which he was not. And I don't care about what Kanye thinks either. I don't care what position he took this week or last week or 15 years ago. And who knows what position he'll take next week. I don't consider this to be real until Trump starts trashing him. Then you'll know for sure. Here's the thing. Throughout this entire saga, one thing has been true and has always been true and consistent. The stew Kanye consensus. Kanye is insane. He was insane before. He's insane now. He was insane when he hated Republicans. He was insane when he loved Republicans. As for his Christian conversion, I have no idea whether that's real or not. I hope it is. But insane people go to heaven too. He might have the purest heart in the world, but still be insane. I don't know if he has a pure heart, but I do know he is, he was, and he will always be insane. just a few days before the 100th episode here of Stu Does America, where we have our Stu Does Power Hour special. This is not this idea is not approved by Fast Blast. They're like, I don't uh, I don't think you should do that to your body. They're kind of like healthy people and they know how to make you actually feel good and look good. I don't always listen to that advice. I know when I do, I do a lot better. Uh, Fast Blast is a great uh, company because they make all of this easy. Intermittent fasting is the thing they kind of work on, and they make it so you can still enjoy the foods that you like and lose weight fast. Like, I'm talking, you know, the, the scale moves every day fast. Um, now, I'm used to seeing the scale move every day, like around Thanksgiving. It's going the wrong way. They make it go the right way. Um, and I think when you see Fast Blast, you say, okay, can I do this? Is this for me? You got to think about that. Make sure it is. Um, I will say, if you want to do it, they can make it a lot easier for you. First of all, a plan, uh, a really detailed plan that walks you through exactly what you need to do and when you need to do it. And secondly, Fast Blast smoothies, which taste delicious. They fill you up and they're specifically designed for intermittent fasting. You got to give this a shot. Uh, we always tell you to do your own homework. So I urge you to learn more about intermittent fasting at fastblast.com blaze. The slash blaze part, of course, is important because that's how they know. You like this stupid show. So get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. Cancel culture is becoming an unstoppable force. It's upending our core American values, including the idea that your race determines your outcome in America. I mean, uh, what? 
Chris Rufo is a documentary filmmaker and research fellow at Discovery Institute's Center on Wealth, Poverty, and Morality. Had a great thread, really unbelievable, uh, the other day uh, about diversity training in Seattle. Uh, we mentioned it yesterday. Chris, thanks for coming on the program. It's good to be with you. Uh, what you found is absolutely jaw-dropping to me. Uh, I, I, I can't understand how this is, this isn't in some like women's studies group or racial studies college course in some obscure college. This is a city who's asking its white employees only to go to a, to a, uh, some sort of teaching ex- exhibition where they learn how not to be white. I, I, I it, Walk us through what this uh, this uh, semin- uh, this uh, grouping actually was, and and how did you come across these documents? Yeah, you know, I, I had a tip that the city of Seattle had invited its white employees to participate in this training session, which was called "Interrupting Internalized Racial Superiority and Whiteness." And uh, I was intrigued by this. I had, you know, heard of these theories that have circulated around academia, was surprised to hear that it was actually being put in place by the public officials in the city of Seattle. So I did a records request and what I found, and you have seen absolutely shocked me, um, they're perpetuating some of the most toxic elements of critical race theory. And they're essentially uh, using cult indoctrination techniques uh, to, to, to make uh, white employees at the city of Seattle uh, aware that Everything they see and do is some sort of internalized white supremacy uh, and that has to be rooted out uh, by the public authorities. Yeah, it really I mean, it's hard to imagine that this is actually going on in this country. It seems like a parody. I mean, much of this just seems like a comedy bit you'd write up. Um, Let me go to uh, number screen number full screen number two here, guys. Uh, This is interrupting uh, IRS and whiteness. IRS is internalized racial oppression. Um, The work of white accomplices. Uh, it talks about um, to practice self-talk that affirms our complicity in racism. Uh, it talks about um, going through the struggles of, in the work of undoing your own whiteness. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there is this strange str- uh, strain of this thought that seems to um, argue that not only is every white person racist, but also that it's impossible to overturn really no matter what you do. It's a hopeless situation where you will always be racist. Is that kind of what you found going through all of these documents? Yeah, that's exactly right. The first step is to accept uh, that uh, essentially all white city of Seattle employees are upholding the system of white supremacy. And I like to think of it this way, as I've dug through the documents and compared it to other notes on critical race theory, they've really constructed a new metaphysics, so a new reality uh, where there are two essential forces. There's blackness and whiteness. And these are really uh, the kind of metaphysics of good and evil. And uh, they're things that are innate, unchangeable, and fixed. Uh, And the city of Seattle is really perpetuating this message. And it goes so far to say that things like individualism, intellectualization, and even objectivity are somehow racist concepts of white supremacy. So you're really seeing them break down the world as we know it, even things like objectivity, uh, in order to erase the kind of mindset that exists in the world so they can replace it with the kind of new man or or, or new human being that they want to see in the world. It really seems like they're trying to overturn truth as we understand it, these things that human beings agree on and come together on, uh, if you can undo that foundation, uh, you can make anything true because there's nothing that we hold to be true together. Is this, how closely is this related to postmodernism? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, and the idea is, is not that they say, uh, we are going to debate the truth and we think we have a better idea that could best represent the truth. They're essentially abolishing truth as a category because in their world, everything can be reduced not to truth, but to power. So uh, if you notice all of the language is about hierarchy and oppression and oppressors and oppressed, uh, it's not a language of truth, goodness and beauty. It's a language of raw power. And the danger is that uh, this kind of rhetoric and ideology doesn't actually bring us closer together. It doesn't actually advocate for closer relationships between people of different racial backgrounds. It really just advocates for the consolidation of power uh, in the hands of the kind of radicals of the new ideology. And the city of Seattle is now putting thousands of employees through this training and other trainings that are similar to it. And it's really become less about providing basic municipal services and more about being a power center for radical identity progressive ideology. Mm. Um, uh, we're seeing this, you know, I kind of thought this was a, a university battle. Like we were in the middle of like the, these universities were fighting this stuff out and we're seeing it just just fly out into our normal lives here. I remember recently there was a there was a uh, an interview, I think it was on CNN, where they talked about a, a woman's uh, she was saying, um, well, what happens if we defund the police? What happens when you know someone breaks into our house and we who do we call? And she said, that's your privilege talking. Like, she had no right to believe that she had any uh, anyone to defend her. And that's right in these documents. It's, uh, full screen three, if you want to pull that up. L how do you get rid of your whiteness? You have to let go of comfort, any expectation of emotional safety, or guaranteed physical safety. Like, these are things that we have to have to, you know, live. And they just want us to abandon them completely because of this weird power dynamic they've made up. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need to be able to essentially abandon all of the things uh, in your life. And, and it, a little bit further down in the document, it says you may even need to end relationships with some other white people. Yeah. And this is really language from cult programming 101. Uh, you convince the, the, the new initiate that they're somehow uh, flawed and you exploit their emotional vulnerabilities. Uh, in order to convince them that they need the organization to uh, help them achieve some goal. Uh, you erase their preconceived ideas, you separate them uh, from the group, from their prior relationships, uh, and then you can sort of indoctrinate them with the, the, the ideology of, of, uh, of, of you know, critical race theory, um, which, which I think is just uh, incredible. And, and within the confines of the academy, so in university classes, you could read something like this and dismiss it as an oddity or some sort of uh, kind of radical professor uh, spouting off with no real world consequences. But that has really jumped from the campus into the bureaucracy. And I've been inundated in the past three days with, with documents and stories and whistleblower complaints uh, from all over the country at every level of government. Uh, from the smallest cities and counties in the United States, all the way up to the Federal Department of the Treasury. This is an ideology that is spreading rapidly and really taking over critical public institutions uh, and radicalizing them from the inside out. It's incredible. You know, we did a, a bunch of things on uh, Seattle over the past few weeks, largely because of the Chaz thing was this big uh, hook that people were talking about. And it was I was I was always bouncing back and forth whether I should be terrified by this or just laugh at it because um, I wanted to do both. Uh, but, you know, we did another show on Seattle and 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 
It was it's really the consequence of everything that's happened in Seattle over many years. Chaz was no surprise. I don't think to people who lived there, they've seen their city go down the tubes uh, over a long period of time. You did a documentary uh, called America Lost. And, you know, you want to talk about a a city that or a title that feels like it fits right now. This is happening in cities all over America. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the kind of prestige cities in the United States, the Seattle's, the San Francisco's, L.A.'s, New York, D.C., Boston, uh, they've had a tremendous run over the past 10 years. Things have been booming. Uh, they've become tech centers. They've become kind of uh, cultural capitals of the United States. But what you're seeing right now is a really combination of three things. You're seeing the coronavirus uh, is going to be really devastating city budgets in the next few years. Uh, you're seeing the takeover of cities like Seattle, San Francisco, Minneapolis, uh, by radical ideologues that are now proposing to defund the police or cut police funding by 50%. And then you're also seeing now uh, remote workers and, and companies are starting to say, you know, it may not be smart to have my entire company based in San Francisco or Seattle. Let's try to kind of spread this out over the country. So I, I think these prestige cities are hitting an inflection point. And what's likely to happen is not that they're going to learn their lesson, that defunding the police is a, is a bad idea, or that uh, radicalizing the bureaucracy on racial grounds is probably not an appropriate function of government. Uh, it's not that. It's actually they're going to probably double down. So mm. I think over the next few years, we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, I hope for the best, but I think you also have to prepare for the worst. Chris, what's the best place for people to find you and to, and to watch the documentary? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Real Chris Rufo. That's R U F O, Real Chris Rufo. Uh, there's a link to watch my new film for free. It's going to air nationally on PBS later this year, uh, but I hope that everyone watching can check it out now. Oh, wow. Very cool. Thanks so much for doing this, and thanks for all the hard work to, to find this stuff. We, we need to be able to alert people that this stuff is going on, and I don't think many people would believe that it is. Chris Rufo, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks. Thanks. Back in a second. We're just talking about Seattle and how did it go so insane? Take it away, Councilwoman. Overturn the Amazon tax. Working people will go all out in the thousands to defeat you. And we will not stop there because you see, we are fighting for far more than this tax. We are preparing the ground for a different kind of society. And if you, Jeff Bezos, want to drive that process forward by lashing out against us in our modest demands, then so be it, because we are coming for you and your rotten system. We are coming to dismantle this deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system of capitalism, this police state. We cannot and will not stop until we overthrow it and replace it with a world based instead on solidarity, genuine democracy and equality and a socialist world ah of course it has to end there i love the idea that here's this here's our suggestion really small government not a lot of power not a lot of influence in your life everyone kind of does what they do with very maybe a, a small safety net at the bottom and we're always called a police state because of it well i'm more saying we want a small government we want people to be able to do their own thing we don't want a police state and we, but we do want capitalism. And you know what? So does the rest of the world, to be honest with you. The rest of the world wishes they could live in a system like ours. And uh, I'm glad that we do. Uh, apparently, in Seattle, they're not so gla- glad. Ilan Omar, I'm not so glad. Several people are not so glad. Uh, I am. I'm happy to be here. And I think I might stick around for a while.
In fact, I'm definitely going to stick around because I bought a home here in Texas. I love Texas. I never want to leave. I rarely want to leave my town, let alone the state. Uh, but if you're trying to buy or sell a home, maybe you've moved to Texas recently, uh, you need a real estate agent that is going to come in and take charge of the situation. If you're selling your home, you want someone to come in and say, like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, set this up this way, we'll list it this way, this is how we're going to advertise. You want someone who understands the market, you want someone who has a deep understanding of this entire process, and you can find somebody who does at realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a company that Glenn Beck started. He, of course, had an issue with a real estate agent, wasn't going so well. Uh, but he said, you know what, real estate agents I trust is, is, is a great idea, and here's what it, how it can work. Have people who try to, uh, we get sorted, sort of get sorted through as agents. So you find the best agents in your area, whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, you want realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com, the name says it all. Try, uh, try it now, learn more at realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Joined once again by head writer and researcher of the Glenn Beck program, Mr. Jason Buttrell. Be sure to uh, t- stay tuned immediately after this program tonight for Glenn's latest special, The Deep State Diversion, unmasking names in the coup attempt against Trump. Again, it's 9 p.m. Eastern right here uh, after we're uh, done tonight. Jason, um, the special is, is an interesting one. I feel like I, with the Flynn story, I have this weird relationship with it in that I feel like I have general familiarity with it. It's like Game of Thrones. Like, I know some of the characters and what time period it took. And I know some dragons on it. But, like, I can't just jump in at season seven. That's what I feel like. I, I haven't followed it closely enough to understand all the twists and turns. Yeah, that's that, that's a good example of it because it does, hopefully it doesn't end as bad as Game of Thrones did. <laughs> um, that's a whole other show. Mm-hmm. But that should be another monologue. Forget yeah. the Redskins. Let's <laughs> do, let's do um, Game of Thrones. But, uh, yeah, this entire thing has been so mixed up, I think, really from the beginning, because we're getting little chunks like delved out here. We know something shady happened. And really the way the, the, the media and the way the left had pushed General Flynn is the same thing with what they did with every other person that's been outed in this, or air quoted outed in this. Like say Carter Page. Um, Carter Page, everyone hated. When everything, all this stuff came out, like he did what? He was involved in what? And you're like, okay, I don't like that guy. Yeah. Right. And so you automatically thought he was guilty. General Flynn, uh, there were some rumors that were spilling out during the Obama administration that uh, he was not a good guy. Mm -hmm. By the time he was actually named National Security Advisor, it's basically the same thing as Carter Page. We're like, okay, something weird with that guy. I don't like him. Yeah. But this was all by design. This was built by design. Were there some... Things maybe weren't great judgment. Like, was it was it a good idea for you to sit right next to Putin during that RT uh, gala? Mm-mm. Probably not a good idea. You know, like yeah. um, the Turkey stuff uh, has been stuff. questioned yep, a little yep. bit. His relationship there. I mean, and I keep coming back to the one thing, particularly in this administration, where again he was he left the administration not because of what happened with the FBI, but because he lied to Pence. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, so that doesn't answer whether he should be in prison, but it does answer, like, at some level, his credibility and whether you want him serving in the White House. Yeah, which I never bought that either, because 
do we really think that Trump cared if his national security advisor lied to Mike Pence? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think so, really. Do you think that maybe they thought he was in trouble, so they made that up as an excuse? I think it was all appearances. I really do. Um, I think that, like, I don't know, we might disagree with this, but I always thought that Jeff Sessions really did nothing wrong with the whole Russia stuff. And again, it was more of this appearance stuff. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I think yeah, that- I, I, I don't think Sessions did anything wrong as far as talking to the... I, I thought that was a BS thing. Though, I, you know, I, I know he didn't... Trump didn't like the recusing uh, aspect, right, of, right. but I don't think he did anything wrong as far as the Russia thing did. Well, it's and it's, it's pretty much the, this this entire saga has been that they've been very very successful in giving the appearance of guilt, and Flynn just made it easy for them. Um, but when going back to what I said before, is you know it is confusing because we go back to the Susan Rice uh, email that she sent herself on inauguration day as she's walking out. Like I think the only reason we knew about that was because it was. I think released to this to Congress. I think Senator Grassley then wrote a, a public letter saying, "Hey, Susan Rice, what's up with this?" Um, we got that, and we we're like, "What is? What the heck is this? It sounds shady." But then we figured that the Obama administration would kind of write it off as like, "Ah, it was nothing. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it." We now that know that was all about Flynn. That entire meeting was about spying on Mike Flynn. Um, but now they didn't like Flynn from before um, right. the Obama administration, and they, you know, there's the idea of. I think it was a combination of they didn't like Flynn and they don't like Trump. So this was an easy this was an easy intersection for them to kind of like, you know, turn turn their uh, th- turn their cameras and, and spying devices toward. Right. Like it was something that they had a they had a, an agenda going in against Flynn. Right. And I, I think that I, I do think Flynn was set up as a patsy uh, for this the entire time. I think that he made it very easy to target him. I also think that they had people like George Papadopoulos, which is a very low fish. Mm-hmm. They had Carter Page, which was also a very low fish. Um, they had those two that, again, it looked shady. It gave them reason to go after members in the Trump campaign, but they were low fish. The big fish was General Flynn, his national security advisor. If they could make him look guilty and if they could do all these things to, to kind of prove something about him, then that makes the entire administration look bad. And that's what General Flynn gave them. That's what that's when they continued on. They I, I looked through uh, Richard Grinnell's unmasking list, and it's mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. Um, Glenn's going to do this tonight, and I don't think anybody else has done this. But we pretty much go line by line every single unmasking. We try to figure out what the heck they were trying to find out. Many times, and and the unmaskings began under Susan Power or with Susan Power, and they started in November of 2016. The exact same month General Flynn was named the National Security Advisor. They were looking for opposition research on him from day one. Mm. All the other unmaskings seemed to kind of coincide with some kind of leak or release in the press. Uh, most of the time it was nothing. Sometimes it was something salacious. Sometimes, sometimes it was something off the Steele dossier. Something like that. But the one thing that didn't make sense to me, one of the biggest thing, was these two diplomats out of Italy. I was like, why in the heck are these two diplomats from Italy unmasking General Flynn's name had nothing to do with his call with Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. Right. The dates were wildly far apart. Mm-hmm. In fact, on that day, that, that, the, the infamous call, there was not a single unmasking request for that. Not a single one. But that was their ace in the hole. That was what they used right. to, ju- you know, to justify this entire thing. 
pretty insane. Mm, well, I can't. I, this is going to be interesting. Really going through this in depth. And it, is this something? Is this? Are you going to give me like the the Game of Thrones? Like, here's the summary of season one. Here's the summary of season two. So I understand it. Right now? Yeah. Like, if, no, I'm not right now. I'm in saying the show. on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the first half of the show, you know, you are. I, I think that we'll catch you up to speed pretty okay. well. Okay. Good. So if you were like looking at like a Glenn chalkboard, mm-hmm. the left half of the chalkboard would be getting us up to speed. Yep. This, when you watch tonight's show, the first half of the show is going to be the left half of the chalkboard. Okay. Cool. I'm looking forward to it tonight. Uh, it's right after this program uh, on the blaze um let's move over you mentioned susan rice yeah uh she's being talked about as the vice presidential nominee for joe biden it doesn't make much sense to me Uh, i don't see what the upside of this is what do you think well i mean it seems to me like the the entire purpose of of the vice president is not to drive home these hard-hitting policy ideas you know and run a run a section of the country it's kind of pretty much just to make your president look good you know what I mean? Yeah. It's some kind of P. It's it's a very expensive, electable PR job. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and that is, uh, Susan Rice doesn't have a whole lot of good PR. No, on any side. It doesn't, make, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think there's there's a couple things you try to do with a VP, right? Like I, you're right. It's kind of a it's an image thing. Um, it might be playing to a weakness. You know, one of the things Barack Obama talked about the reason why he picked Joe Biden because he was old with gray hair and white. Uh, because, you know, people are like, oh, this young guy without a lot of experience and he's exotic. We better pick a white guy. He eventually basically assumed everyone was a racist. And so he was trying to appease those racists by picking a white guy. Um, you know, you see this, of course, Biden is explicitly doing this by saying he's going to pick a woman. Right. Like that is he's trying to, you know, please a group. There's that there's that argument. Um, you know, with 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 Obama, it was experience was his weakness. He picked Biden. Um, with Biden, it seems like his experience is, or his, uh, his, excuse me, his, you know, Achilles heel is that he's very old and everyone thinks he can't do the job anymore and he might step out after six months. So you can't pick like the equivalent of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? You need right. someone who people believe have the experience to do this. Susan Rice, I mean, people, most people just don't know her. If you do know her, you know her as a, a member of, of multiple scandals. So I don't, I, I don't know why that would be the solution to this. She's got a long, uh, she's got a lot, her track record's basically in like foreign policy type stuff. Right, which is another one where supposedly Biden is the strength. Right. I mean, I don't buy that, but I mean, that's how people perceive him. Yeah, his foreign policy is pretty good if you consider, you know, Legally getting billions out of other countries hmm, and stuff like that. He's pretty he's dang good at that. Um, yeah, Susan Rice would be a good pick. She, she, she'd be the weakness to someone that was like not good in foreign policy at all, right. something like that. Yep. And if she didn't have all her other issues. But so I tell you what, this pick for vice presidents probably, I bet they're all probably looking at that almost more important than electing Biden. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you think about that, like that, this is his cognitive ability. That's an actual real concern. That's a huge concern. Oh, yeah, totally. they, they have no other way to back da- down from this pick now. They're all in, mm-hmm. but they know he's got, and the New York Times, just you see the, the article New York Times just wrote where they're trying to make the case that Biden needs to put down restrictions on the debates or otherwise he's just not going to do them. And they were ridiculous. They were like, Donald Trump must turn over his tax returns and something right. else that he's not going to do. I mean, they They're terrified do this. That <laughs> if I were their advisors, that's exactly what I would do. I would keep I would yep. try to come up with every stupid reason why you're not allowed to be in the same room with Donald Trump and go on television with him. And look, they've done that so far. It's been their strategy, right? Since he got the nomination, you basically have not seen him. Now, look, the, the pandemic is a big part of that and a, a very 
uh, convenient um, uh, negative event, right? I mean, like sometimes a really terrible event can help you in other ways, and that's what's happened here, right? Yeah. Like this is, it's helped them also with the economy going down and, and various other ways, certainly not uh, <laughs> something they're excited about, but uh, it has helped their campaign. And one of the uh, people I was talking about as a dark horse for this, because, you know, they're saying definitely a woman, um, now we know Klobuchar's out. She even said it's got to be a person of color, which was just her way of saying I lost. Um, but I, I think one of the people I was kind of talking as a dark horse was Tammy Duckworth. She's a, a senator from Illinois and, you know, a, a veteran of military service. Uh, person which means you of, can't criticize her. Right, you can't criticize right. her. She lo- she's, you know, in a wheelchair, um, had a massive injury. She also had, um, uh, you know, um, uh, she is a person of color. She is, uh, I don't know what her background is, but uh, she's a person. She counts as in the POC. She checks that box off. Uh, I kind of thought she would she's one of those on paper, which would be an interesting choice because, you know, she's had some experience in government. She's had some experience in the military. Um, however, watching her try to perform the last couple of weeks where she's talking about eh, maybe we should knock down those Washington statues. It just not, just does not seem like that's going to be workable either. So ridiculous. And the, the, my biggest critique on the on the on the Duckworth thing is how. It, you are. I, I, they were just really going after Tucker Carlson, you know, for hitting her. Right. And they was like, oh my gosh, this veteran. That li-. so what? A veteran is is able to, should be able to take that criticism mm-hmm. because they've already been in that fire. You know what I mean? Like, if anyone, you could probably criticize the veteran more. Just because they can take it, right. or they That's should be able right. yeah. to. Yeah. It's like I'm the same. I've noticed the media at times have been critical of you, as, and you're a veteran. <laughs> I've, uh, I, has anyone else noticed that? <laughs> Pretty bigly, actually, in the past. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, let me talk to you quickly about what's coming up this Friday. You're going to be a part of it, and uh, I don't know how to explain this event, but uh, it's something we screwed around with before. Uh, Stu does Power Hour. It's our 100th uh, anniversary. When I say 100th anniversary, not 100 years, but 100 episodes. Our 100th episode airs on Friday at our normal time. Immediately after that, YouTube only. Just go to YouTube, search for Stu. I'll be the first show there. Uh, when you're there, uh, you've got to check this out. It's going to be, a, it's basically a panel of us. It's going to be myself, uh, Sarah Gonzalez, who is our designated driver, uh, and then uh, uh, three more panelists are going to be sitting on this side. Jason Buttrell, uh, Bill Richmond of, uh, of Louder with Crowder, going to be very cool, and Chad Prather, all on there. We're doing a power hour, which is, if you don't know this, it's one shot of beer per minute for an hour. It sounds easy. I promise you it is not. Uh, and we're in, during this time, we're going to be attempting to talk politics. I would say the first part will probably be pretty interesting. There's a good group of people, really smart people there. Uh, I would assume it gets dumber as, as, the, as the hour goes on and more ridiculous. Are you prepared at all for this? Yeah, I'm, yeah I've been in training since I, I heard about this. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, been, I, I'm going to start hardcore, I believe, and I think that I'm going to start hardcore on the day of. So I'm just going to go all in. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's really the only way to do this. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you're, Just by agreeing to it, you're all in. So yeah, you're, all, you're all in. So I'm, I'm going to start, I think, with like maybe probably a couple Jameson shots, something you're, you're like that. You're going to pregame a power hour. That's a terrible idea. Well, it's like if, if you, you're not going to jump out on the bench press, Stu. You're going to do some push-ups yeah, yeah. first. Then you're going to yeah. jump on the, put, on, the, on the bench. That's kind of how I'm know, seeing this. But, uh, yes. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to be interested to see that because if you do that, I will say I've done one of these, a couple of them before. And by the end of the hour, you want to die. (laughs) Uh, And I will say we'll be it's going to be a mess by the end of the hour. I will say it's something you're going. I don't know. Two shots before it is is not something I would advise. But you're a big boy and you're an adult. 
and a military veteran, so I couldn't criticize your choice anyway, even if you... Wow, okay, I just saw the imaginary gauntlet land yeah. on your desk. It's on. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Jason Buttrell, again, uh, it's uh, Friday night. Uh, Going to be a fun way to start the weekend. Not for us, but for you to watch it happen. Uh, it's uh, our 100th anniversary Stu Does Power Hour special at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on YouTube.com slash Stu Does America, or just go to YouTube and search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. And uh, Glenn's a special that Jason worked hard on tonight. Uh, and Glenn didn't do anything. Jason did worked hard on tonight. Uh, that uh, airs uh, right after this program uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, Jason, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks. All right, back in a second. You know, I've never seen one of these out in the wild yet, uh, but I got one today, a text from a friend who shows me this photo. Now, that's a beautiful sight. The Andrew Cuomo is awful shirts and mugs are being delivered as we speak. You need yours as well. Go to andrewcuomoisawful.com. He's getting incredibly annoying right now. And I think now's the time to pull the trigger on this if you, do, uh, if you don't have one yet. Uh, you can get it at andrewcuomoisawful.com. All the shirts and stuff are at stewdoesmerch.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget, Friday, 100th episode.